to Life and Ministry. I'm your host, Kyle Maddox, and I'm so thankful to be joining you today. And this episode that we're going to be talking about is one that I've been looking forward to. Uh, my friend, Pastor Ed Snyder from uh, Irvin, Texas, is here with us today. And he has recently wrote a book, Control the Beast, Managing Your Emotions. And I was just talking to somebody just the other day, and I told him this particular, was talking about this particular episode, and it were labeled life and ministry. This is something that you can relate to wherever you are, whether you're just in life or if you're in ministry as well. If we're not controlling and managing our emotions, we're not going to be successful in our life and in our ministry. And so, Pastor Snyder, I thank you so much for joining us today. And I would just like you to greet our audience, share whatever you'd like as far as yourself and what you're doing there in uh, Texas, and just give your thoughts on what we're doing here at Life and Ministry. But I am so thankful to have you on our episode today. Well, Brother Maddox, it's a privilege to be here. I'm very honored that you asked me to come on and be a guest on your uh, podcast. Uh, I always enjoy getting together with other fellow podcasters. And uh, again, it's it's a great privilege. I am excited about what God is doing uh, in this last day and age. It's wonderful to see biblical prophecy being unfolded right before our very eyes. It's just been amazing. So uh, but just a little bit about us. I mean, what you asked is to kind of tell everybody what's going on. Sure. Uh, Sister Snyder and I and our two children moved here from San Jose, California, about eight years ago. Now, I think next month is our ninth year. Wow. And uh, we we took a church of about six or eight people, no building, no money, wow. <laughs> nothing. And uh, God has blessed us. We just moved into a new facility uh, of 5,000, a little over 5,000 square feet. And, uh, we can seat now about 125 in our sanctuary. We just had outpouring 22, nine got the Holy ghost, Hallelujah! Uh, a couple of people healed. Uh, it was just miraculous. Um, uh, somebody came along and was very gracious and donated the, the, the finance to, for us to do a 10,000 piece mailer, Praise uh, to residents in and around our church here in Irving. Uh, and it was just, not, it wasn't just a card, you know, come to church or uh, a little letter. It's actually sure. a booklet that oh, wow. the front cover is a letter, uh, you know, from us as pastor. And then you open it up and it's a Bible study. Uh, and awesome. we've been getting phone calls there uh, from that. And we've been getting some guests coming in, uh, been amazing. So a lot of seeds been planted out there in the vineyard through that. And uh, we're we're anxious to see how God does what God does with that. So, you know, we're just um, working as hard as we can, as smart as we can yes, sir. Uh, in the kingdom of God, trying to build a church here. And of course, with what we're going to talk about today, control the beast that has really materialized. Uh, it's been a ministry, but it's even gone getting ready to go up, which again, I'll talk to either in this session or the next about how what direction we're going with control the beast. And awesome. so we're, we're pretty jazzed about what God is doing. Our, we have two children, uh, Marcus and Mariah, both are now married. Uh, my daughter's been married for five years, got a wonderful husband. Uh, Peter just in fact, they're literally out in the media room. They do our media and awesome. sound. They're out there right now, uh, putting on another piece of equipment that we had to pay for. Sure. And so, uh, I keep telling them, I said, boy, didn't I tell you your budget's cut? And so, anyway, so, uh, and then my son is our youth pastor. He just got married a year ago, February yes. and, uh, married a beautiful young lady, a pastor 
pastor's daughter uh, from up in North Texas. And so they're, they're working our youth and then he does our graphics and he's part of our media team. Uh, the video that we produced that you were so kind yes, that was awesome. about, he's, he's the one that actually produced that video. And so, okay. you know, it's just uh wonderful watching our kids be involved in ministry and, and helping the kingdom of God move forward. That's awesome, Brother Snyder. And again, as, as I stated, you know, a few minutes ago before we went live, you know, I've followed, you know, what you're doing there. And I tell you what, it's awesome and exciting uh, to see what God's doing. You're grow, It's a growing church. And, and that's what's so awesome about it. You guys are just not happy with us four and no more. And oh, no. You just you just keep plugging away. And I just so I'm so thankful for the impact that you're making, not only in, in Irving, but around our movement, and I know I'm excited to, about this book, and I've heard great things about it. People have talked about it, and I'm just excited to see what God does through this episode and what he continues to do through your ministry uh, there. And uh, just it's an awesome, awesome opportunity and privilege to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. So we're going to just jump right in. Uh, again, Brother uh, Snyder wrote this book, Control the Beast managing your emotions. And so I'm looking forward to just diving right into this. We're going to just real talk. We're going to talk about these questions that we have here today and just see what God will do. And I promise you, if you will apply what we talk about today, you will be able to be successful in managing your emotions. And so Brother Snyder, let's just start off right now with Control the Beast. What prompted you to write this book? Well, um, that's that's a long answer. Um <laughs> You know, it's really Control the Beast is not a book written by me reading other people's books sure. and, you know, studying the subject and decided to, you know, put my version to it. It's actually my story. It's actually wow. what I lived through. Mm. Uh, I was a very angry teenager growing up. I was the fat kid always getting uh, bullied and picked on and made fun of. Uh, my dad was born stone deaf. My mother was legally blind. Uh, so, you know, it, uh, but I, I grew up in a great home. I mean, I had, we had a roof over our head at all times and it was warm in the winter, cool in the summer and food on the table and clothes on my back. I mean, my dad, even though he was dealing with that handicap, uh, he did a phenomenal job providing for us. Uh, I'm a, I'm a fifth generation Pentecostal, uh, for all of our folks that's watching and listening to your podcast that are in the United Pentecostal church. My great-grandmother, grandmother and mother, when she was 15, fed, cooked and fed all the preachers of the 1945 merger conference that formed the United Pentecostal Church. Oh, my goodness. Uh, wow. It was hosted at Walter Gwynn's Church, Whiteway Tabernacle, which is my mother's home church in St. Louis. So, you know, wow. I, I've got roots. I've got heritage in this, you know. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I you know, I... It wasn't my parents' fault. They, my mother was my champion. I mean, she was, she was my uh, president of my fan club and my motivator. And you know, she's the one that got me through a lot of stuff. You know, I I tease now when I'm preaching and said, according to the Book of Wanda, chapter one, verse six, you know, <laughs> kill it with kindness. That was one of the things she preached to me all my oh, life. Oh yes. You know, um, and all of that. But however growing up as the fat kid in school sure. and getting picked on, bullied, always drug into fights that I didn't want to be in, you know, it, it took its toll. It did its damage on my self-esteem. And so I started getting angry. Um, in the sixth grade, they recruited me for football 
Okay. And uh, <clears throat> I got the Holy Ghost when I was 12. Uh, but me and God got kind of separated because of I didn't listen to God. I listened to my feelings, my emotions. I listened to the enemy uh, through all of this bullying and, and mess that I was walking through. And so I got into football, and I got really into football. I wow. mean, I I took a lot of my anger and aggression out on the field. I, sure. I, I um, yeah, I was, uh, I was the cheater. I grabbed the mask and threw the threw the guy on the ground, and you know, <laughs> I I doubled up my fist and punched him in the face when the ref wasn't looking, and you know, in the of course in the mask, not sure. the actual face, but not not proud but i have put my fist through more walls windows and doors than i care to count and i've broke wow. some noses and i've literally punched some teeth out in my uncontrolled anger and uh, finally you know i met i met the love of my life uh my wife uh when i was i was young <laughs> let's put it that way i was <laughs> real young and i was always very tall for my age so she didn't know how old i was I kind of didn't answer questions that she asked, like, how old are you? Well, I'm sure. old enough, no better and young enough not to care, you know, and stuff like that. But she's, uh, she's actually in her office right next to me. We've been married oh, wow. for 42 years. Oh my. And awesome. we got married. I got married when I was 18. I just, oh, when wow. I met my wife, I, my best friend, Bert McGavick standing next to me at new life, new life center in Bridgeton, Missouri, St. Louis, and when she walked away after I met her, I said, Bert, that, that's her. That Dude, that's her. And he's like, that's who? <laughs> I said, that's the girl I'm going to marry. And he's like, do you, do you realize you're 15 years old? I said, doesn't matter. That's the girl. And that's, that's how wow. I was when I met my wife. So anyway, I mean, I fell. I mean, it was, it was over for me. And so fast forward to when I was 18 years old. And we got married. There was two things that you did not do to me in my uncontrolled anger. Slam the door in my face or hang up the phone. Sure. You know, the phone came flying off the wall. And, uh, you know, I usually punched, punched the door when you slammed it in my face. Well, in our first marital discussion, <clears throat> uh, you know, God has a sense of humor. I am, I am of German descent. My wife is from an Irish descent. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. There's a reason they call him the fighting Irish, you know, (laughs) you know, here's a guy that's got an anger issue and marries an Irish woman. And so anyway, in our first marital discussion, you know, she started walking away and I'm like, no, no. And now for the record, for your audience, I've never, ever laid a hand on my wife ever. But when she walked away, she not only slammed the door in my face, she locked it. And I just went straight to orbit. So I, I hit it. I put my fist through it, unlocked it, you know, and, and had a not so pleasant conversation again, never laid a hand on her, but it, it scared her to her bones. She, she, uh, got up the next morning. She goes, Hey, I, I don't think I can do this. I'm like, do what? Uh, you put your fist through that door last night. Right. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't know that about you. I'm like, well, what do you think I'm going to do? Confess, <laughs> you know? So, uh, I, I said, look, I'm sorry. I'm very, very sorry. I don't know what to do about it. I've dealt with it since I was young wow. and, you know, I've been bullied. I've been picked on. I've always been the fat kid. I don't know what to do, but I promise you I'll figure something out 
if you'll just hang with me. And she said, okay, but it's got to change. I said, all right. Now that was 42 years ago. Yes, sir. Anger management classes, not even in the universe. Printed material, zero. Couldn't find nothing. So I went to my pastor and said, I got a problem. Yes. And he's like, okay, what, what's the problem? I'm angry. Like I'm really angry. He goes, oh, son, just get in the altar and get a good praying through. You'll be fine. Now, Brother Maddox, I don't want to discredit prayer. Prayer is powerful. Prayer can change anything. But there's also got to be some other elements involved with prayer for prayer to be effective. Faith without works is dead. So I got in the altar. I got a good praying through. And three days later, guess what? I'm punching something because I'm mad. You know, I'm like, okay, what? I need something here. I need a, I need a face on God. I need a voice in God. I need somebody to talk to me and help me coach. So Gail and I just started trial and error in it. You know, when I'd get mad, I we'd sit down and talk about it. what made you mad. You know, why did you do this? And I'd try to figure things out and we'd make notes and, and I started getting better. You never rid yourself of negative emotions. It's, no. it's just like the positive ones. It's a part of it. And I'll, I'll get more into that later. Oh, but so anyway, over the years, I just, her and I just started working together, diving into the Bible. What's the Bible say about this? You know? And then when material started coming out, man, I scarfed it. I read it, you know? And then when training courses would come out, started coming out, man, I dove into it. So probably about 20 years ago, uh, I felt confident enough in myself that now I need to start giving back. Yeah. So I started teaching anger management classes. Uh, anybody that would sit down and listen to me. And yeah. uh, it, it just started growing. I put together this plan, you know, some slides and all of that. Uh, and then pretty soon uh, probation and parole contacted me. I started doing uh, classes, required classes by the courts from them, court services, uh, chambers of commerce would contact me. Hey, I hear you've got a great plan on emotions and anger. I started doing stuff like, uh, uh, violence in the workplace, how to identify and diffuse an angry person. You know, a good year tired rubber company contracted me to come in and train their managers in all of this. Well, the entire time, you know, I would get feedback, man, like the clients, the, the people coming from probation and parole, ex offenders. We did extensive work with ex-offender reentry. Yeah. Uh, they would say, you know, bro, I've been through so many anger management courses. You know, I've lost count. This is the best anger management course I've ever been in. Uh, if I if I had a $5 bill for every time somebody would come in my office, I don't need anger management. This judge is making me do it. <laughs> I can build you and I both a house and pay cash. Uh, that's how much denial is out there. Wow. But Uh, the feedback I'd get about into the third lesson, people, you know, these guys, these same guys said they don't need anger management would come to me privately and say, you know, I've been listening to you. I, I think I might have a problem. I I really think I'm in the right place. I'm like, great, man, hang in there. Let's go. Let's get this done. And so, um, all that throughout all those years, everybody's like, but so now you need to write a book. You, sure. you need to write a book. This is the best content I've ever heard in my life. This is good stuff. You need to write a book. Wow. So probably, I don't know, two years, three years ago. So I can't remember. Uh, Gail and I started 
taking the lessons that we developed and turning them into chapters and book form. So uh, I think it was April of last year, we launched Control the Beast, a guide to managing your emotions. And it's, to God be the glory, it's really hit. A lot of people are buying it. Uh, I had a uh, fellow approach me from a church that we're starting to do anger manage or excuse me, control the beast events okay. using them as an outreach. I will come in for a couple of nights and teach on some highlights and uh, people would, you know, it's an outreach. Come, come hear some teaching on control the beast guide to managing your emotions. Sure. One fellow that I did a church locally here uh, saw me like months and months after I was there doing a session. And of course uh, with things that he's dealing with, he sees a, uh, a counselor on, on a regular basis. Okay. And, uh, he gave a copy of my book to his counselor and said, look, this guy teaches on this stuff. I just want to give it to you let you read it and see what you think. He, that counselor, I mean, this is like a psychologist oh, uh, counselor. And this guy read my book and came back and said, he had it in his hand. He said, this is the best book I have ever read on this, this subject. And he told me that, that, that psychologist or psychi not psychiatrist, but a psychologist is using our material in Praise his counseling God. sessions now. So to God be the glory. That's really what prompted us to write the, uh, the book of control the beast, a guide to manage your emotions. That's awesome. And I tell you what, I, like I said, I've heard nothing but great things about it. I'm looking forward to getting more into it. And uh, for those that haven't read it, Brother Snyder, uh, where can they purchase it? Amazon.com. If you just go to Amazon and uh, do a search on Control the Beast, Ed Snyder, it'll pop. Awesome. I'm telling you what, definitely for those watching and listening, go to Amazon. And like he said, Searching Control the Beast, Ed Snyder, and I promise you, you're going to be blessed uh, by the book. And that we're going to just talk about again further into this these episodes. We're going to be just talking about how to control the beast, how to manage in your emotions. And so, our next question, Brother Snyder, is: Is it possible for someone to have underlying problems that result from their childhood? And if so, how can they go about uncovering this, these issues so they can deal with them? So I kind of put two questions in one, but how would yeah. you handle that? Great question. So is, is it possible for someone to, to have underlying problems resulting from their childhood? Absolutely. Of course. That, that was my problem. Yes, sir. You know, again, it wasn't in my home. It was outside my home that caused me to problems from, from childhood. In the book, sure. uh, we talk about cleaning up your environment. Okay. Uh, the first chapter is the power of understanding. That's the first thing, and that's threaded all the way through the book. When you understand the who, the why, the what the how it helps you deal with people better. It helps you deal with yourself better. And we've got to get an understanding uh, of what's going on. Once we do that, we need to look into our environment. Yes. Uh, there's a, there's a statement that says you're a product of your environment. Very true. We are products of our environment. So what environment we lived in when we were a child formed the person that we became as a, a teenager, a young adult, and it never changes. The environment that we were in as a teenager formed the person we became as a young man. The environment that we decided to get into in as a young man is forming the person uh, who we are right now. And the, the environment that we live in this very moment 
is forming the person that we're going to become a year from now, two years from now, three years, five years from now, good or bad, positive or negative, depending on what's in your environment. Um, I, in, in the chapter of, of uh, cleaning up your environment, we have to look for triggers. Uh, I, in the book, there are six main, most common triggers, but what are they and what flips the switch for us to react in a negative way? So going back to the question, yes, underlying problems that result from childhood can be a problem. Now, how do we identify Again, it goes back to the power of understanding. When we understand, first of all, I have a problem. One of the greatest days, uh, many, many, I've had many great days, but one of the greatest days of my life is when I finally walked into my pastor's office and said, I have a problem. Yeah. I need help. That was the beginning of my journey to where I'm at now. Wow. So you have to understand you know, the, the, what, the, why, the, where, the, how that I am where I am and I am who I am. So to uncover it is to simply pay attention to yourself. What are you saying? How are you reacting to people? You know, somebody says mashed potatoes and you get upset. What in the world? Yeah. Well, my, my, my mother, my mother made instant mashed potatoes all my life. And they didn't have any salt in them. And I eat them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I hate mashed potatoes. <laughs> well, okay, there's there's the trigger. Sure. <laughs> there's the there's ground zero right there. That's where we got to go start working. You know, go eat some real mashed potatoes with some butter and sour cream. Or whatever. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a little bit of of uncovering the issue is really paying attention to where you're at, how you're reacting to it, and of course. You know, can, uh, you know, how can we deal with them? Well, there's, there's a healing process. It's called time. (laughs) But again, faith without works is dead. We can believe God for healing of our emotions, but what are you doing about it? You know, what's the, where's the action? So um, let's, let's scenario wise, somebody says mashed potatoes, we get mad and we punch them right in the face. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to punch you in the face. You're like, why did you punch me in the face? We were just talking about dinner. And I said, mashed potatoes. So the way, how do you, you're not going to stop punching people. No, you're not going to quit yelling. You, you've got to, you've got to step back. There's a process of going backwards. So what caused the reaction? What caused you to yell, scream, act negative, or punch somebody. What was the trigger? Well, they said mashed potatoes. Okay. There's the trigger. So what's now we take another step back. What's the, why, why, what's the emotional tie to mashed potatoes? Okay. What emotionally what's attached to that. And that right there is now we're starting to get down to the layers that we need to get to. So now we've discovered what I felt. Okay. So now we ask, why did you feel that way? Sure. We take another step back and we discover the event that's attached to mashed potatoes. That's attached to the emotion that rises up when somebody says mashed potatoes. Now the event, there's the, there's the discovery. There's where the fixing can take place. So whether it was an event, what somebody said, uh, whatever, now the purging and the healing can take place because now we go in 
and take care of the event. If that's somebody, if there's a somebody involved that, that uh, we have to go talk to and get an apology from, or try to get some kind of understanding with, or we have to forgive them, let them go. Perhaps they've passed away and there's no opportunity to talk to them. Now we've got to put it on the altar. Now we've got to deal with it by ourselves and say, okay, I'm going to let that go and come up with some kind of reasoning perhaps that we can have an avenue to forgive them. You know, well, they did that because, and that's reasoning things. So once that purging has helped, now we go back to the front end and we're not going to punch somebody because somebody said mashed potatoes because we've dealt with it. We went back to the root of the problem. See, the punching, that's just the surface. That's the, that's the, the, the reaction. What's causing the symptom? What's causing the disease? And when you get back to the root of the problem, that's where you can you can take care of the situation. That's awesome. I mean, so in, in other words, it sounds to me like there's got to be action. We can't just talk mm-hmm. about managing our emotions. We can't just talk about these underlying problems that you know ultimately resulted from our childhood. We got to find the problem, and we got to deal with it. We can't just right. talk about it. We got to deal with it. I love that. Action or or action. not talk about it. Exactly. You know, sure. well, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And I'm not going to say nothing. You're, you are you are creating a pressure boiler. I mean, yes, you, that, that pressure valve is going to pop and it's going to be ugly. You cannot just not talk about it. No. It's got to be dealt with. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. This next question is a, a very important one, Brother Snyder. How, why do we hurt the ones that we shouldn't hurt at all? Familiarity. So... You know, it's really mean that we scream, yell, act negative, hurt people that love us the most. Why? You know, why do we do that? They're there. If anybody's going to be there when we're at our worst point, it's them. Yes. You know, why are we treating them bad? Why are we treating them negatively? Why are we yelling at them for no reason at all or accusing them of things they're not really guilty of. Why do we do that? Because we know subconsciously they love us Mm. and they'll always be there for us. We can act like this and they'll be okay. No, don't count on that. Don't count on that because even your most beloved people in your life, they'll take it longer than your coworkers, your friends, you know, your, your church friends, they'll take it longer than them, but they're, that's a, that doesn't mean you've got a blank check. That mm. doesn't mean that they're going to be there forever because they'll start stepping back. Of course. Uh, they'll start, you know, not coming to Thanksgiving dinner or not come around for Christmas when you're there because they don't want to deal with your mess anymore. Sure. They have been hurt one too many times. They've been criticized one too many times. So, but the reason for that, the reason that we always hurt the ones we shouldn't hurt at all is simply the love factor. We, mm-hmm. we know they love us and they, we know they're not going to walk away from us. Hear me. If you hear anything in this interview, wow. don't count on that for long-term. Wow. That's so good. I mean, and, and that's, and I never even thought about it like that because, you know, so many times we, those are the ones we do hurt are the ones that we shouldn't hurt. The ones that we love, the ones that truly care about us and so it's important that you you know we're talking he t- brother snyder talked about triggers just a moment ago we're starting we need to start s- seeing the triggers before we hurt the ones that 
we shouldn't be hurting at all because again, there's going to come a day that they're going to say, well, one, one too many times. Yeah. And I know brother Snyder don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen to you. So start right. looking for those triggers and see how, uh, how much it will help you in managing your emotions. I love that. What you said, brother Snyder. So very good. Thank you. The next question is, how do I fix my low self-esteem? I know there's people watching that uh, deals with low self-esteem. So how can you help them? How do how can we help ourselves on fixing our low self-esteem? Stop believing the lie. Mm, very good. Okay. Uh, again, power of understanding. Yes. And we go back to the why. Why do we have self low self-esteem? Very good. Okay. Uh, is there somebody in their life that keeps calling us an idiot? You're an idiot. Every time we turn, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. Yeah. You're an idiot. And after a while, even though we know we're not an idiot, but after conditioning like that for so long, we start believing we're an idiot. We, we right. don't know how to think our way out of a wet paper bag, sure. you know, all of that stuff. And our self-esteem starts going down. When we mess up, the bully is on us. You know, see, I told you you're an idiot. I knew you weren't going to be able to do that. That person has to be thrown out of your life and the door locked, no matter who it is. You're going to have to come to terms and get rid of the disease that is infecting your self-esteem. And then you're going to have to come to terms. You're not an idiot and start, start emphasizing your strength. Everybody has weaknesses. Everybody, everybody has strengths. You know, so many times we we capitalize on the weakness, but we're not paying too much attention to the strengths. If we're always living in our weaknesses, how is our strengths going to grow? My God. So we need to really flip that and start working on what we know we're good at. Start emphasizing our strengths and then reach back and grab a weakness and bring it forward instead of the other way around. I got to work on these weaknesses, man. I got to keep. I can't do that. I, you know, I'm a loser here, blah, blah. Forget that. Right. Look at what you're good at. Mm. Because if you start doing what you're good at, you're going to feel better about yourself. Yeah, I'm good at this or I'm good at that and all of that business. And so that that is a and it's a gradual. I want to warn you, it's a gradual healing. It's not a waving of the magic wand and poof, it you're 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 all better now. It it is a process, like all of this stuff. It's a process. It's yeah. time. It doesn't just take overnight. No. <laughs> it's it and doesn't. you said it a moment ago, you know, and you just said it again, time. It just, you know, if if we have problems, if we have in this case, you know, anger problems per se or you know, whatnot, low self esteem, you can't just blink your eye and change. I mean, obviously we know God's able to do that and he is definitely and I've seen it happen and I'm sure you have too. But there's those situations, those delicate situations that if, if you don't get help, you're it, it's it's going to take time. You can't just change something overnight. And so it right. takes time. You can't get, and I loved what you said, focus on your strength. So many times we do focus on what we're not good at or, well, I'm not like so-and-so or I'm not like this person or I've had this happen. I've had that happen. You can't focus on that. Focus on what you're good at. Focus on what you can do. And if you if there's so low self-esteem or whatever it might be, work on it gradually. And over time, you're going to see some great things happen. I love yep. it. Love yep. it. You also need to find somebody that believes in you. That's so good. 
So you've got that person, you've had that person that doesn't believe in you, that's yes. been criticizing you, downgrading you, you know, smashing your, your ego, your self-esteem. You need to get replace the bully with somebody that believes in you. You can do this. I've got confidence in you. I got faith in you. I can, you can do this. Um, you know, it, and again, I can't emphasize enough the time factor in this. Yeah. Like when, you know, I've been in ministry for 42 years. When, when Gail and I got married, that's when I launched into ministry. Wow. Um, my pastor gave me some of the best advice back then. Sure. Um, you know, I, I can, God gave me a natural gift to preach. I can get behind a pulpit and preach. Yes. I missed the gift of teaching. Okay. Sure. When I taught, I was a stuttering, stumbling mess. I mean, sure. you know, it was, it was crazy. Uh, and he pulled me in his office. He said, look, you're a natural in, in on the preaching side, sure. but you got to focus and go to work on the teaching side. Wow. And I took that to heart. So I did what I was good at yeah. and I preached and we had results and all that. And then I'd go practice teaching and start working on an outline and making it, making sense in my head. This is how it flows. Yeah. And so I even for a while there, I did a little preaching, you know, sure. excited teaching. It helped me because I took my gift of preaching and put it into my teaching. And I, now I'm able to, to sit and just teach and make sense of it because yeah. I worked, I, I capitalized on my strengths, but yet I reached back and worked on my weakness and kept bringing it forward. That's so good. And just think, I mean, if you would have just, you know, you, you, you've seen, if you will, the problem you've seen, Hey, I know, I, I know I'm a good preacher. Or, you know, God's gifted me to preach, but I, you also notice I need to also be a teacher. You, you've seen, you know, going into pastoring, you needed to be a teacher. You can't just always preach. You got to teach. And if you just would have focused on your, you know, that, oh, I'm just not a horrible, I'm just a, not a good teacher, you probably wouldn't have been a good teacher. <laughs> you, and, 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 but you said, you know what? I understand I'm a good preacher, but I also understand I need to learn. I need to learn how to teach. And so, yeah. again, you have to focus on what's good, but then also looking back and saying, you know what? Let me, let me work on these things that I'm, I'm not so good at. And over time, if we focus more on the good, we're going to conquer the, the negative or the things that we're not so good at instead of just focusing and being negative. You know, you're the person that is always calling you an idiot. Don't go talking to that person. <laughs> if you need help, <laughs> like you said, you. close the door, lock the door and never let them back in. That was no. so very good. Brother Snyder, we're running out of time. I got one more question I th- and I'm hoping to be able to do a part two. And uh, this has been so good that I want I want to get this out because it's just one of those subjects that needs to be heard. We need we need help. Uh, and I know people even reached out when I launched this, you know, the just the, the intro that they, they they're pumped about this because, again, they're they're realizing, hey, I need help. And that's the first like you said, that's one of the first things realizing you have a problem. And so we're going to probably have a part two. So just hold on. But this last question for this episode, Brother Snyder, is why is it so important that we I not play the blame game or that we not play the blame game? Oh, boy. The blame <laughs> game. Yes, sir. Nothing ever gets resolved Come in the on. blame game. That's good. Okay. If you just constantly stay in that mode, well, I'm a drug addict because that person did this to me and that person did that to me and I dot, 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 or – 
uh, I did this because this person did that. You cannot live life like that because it's always blaming somebody else for your problems. Now, in the book, we teach that that you, you know you cannot be responsible. In fact, in the in a class, I, I'll throw a, a kind of a trick question out. Yeah, are you responsible for everything that happens? No, like, no, absolutely not. I said, well, half true. Sure. You're responsible for everything that happens to you, Very not good. around you. No. So if you're in a situation, you can't help the the igmo that's in your face screaming, sure. but you can help how you react to the igmo. Oh. You know what an igmo is? Remind me. <laughs> igmo is an ignorant moron. Igmo. Makes sense. Yes, sir. There that, you go. Yes, sir. So, you and of course, if there's a conflict, yes, here's what we've got, and, and this is so important. What part did I have to play in that? This is one of the things that my wife and I went through early, early in our marriage. So good. What could I have said different? What could I have said that I didn't say? What could I? What did I say that I shouldn't have said? What sure. you know, all of those, and figure out. Okay. I could have done this better, or I could, I shouldn't have said this. Only be responsible for your part. You're breaking the cycle Uh-oh. because like, you know, in, in manufacturing, the customer wants the, the most inexpensive product available. Yeah. And so, you know, you go up the line from the customer, you go up the line, you know, why can't we, well, they're not meeting production goals. Well, we're not getting money. Upper management's not doing this for us. And then the owners is like, well, it goes back to the public. They wow. want the cheapest, most inferior product for the best price. And, and you know, you know, see how it goes. It just keeps going. So if you're always blaming the person above you or behind you or whichever, you're never fixing your problem. You're never taking responsibility and learning from your mistakes because you're always passing it off on blaming in the blame game. So you just got to stop, take a breath and say, okay, all right, I did my part. I, this is my part. And of course we pray and hope that they take their part and we got to revolve. But yeah. if they don't take that part, you still are responsible for what you said, didn't say, did, didn't do whatever the case may be. That's so good. And so many times that's what, that's where we mess up is we, we do our part. But then we're like, well, they didn't do their part. Well, they didn't. They didn't. I apologize to them. I talked to them, but they didn't accept it. That's not on you. You did your part. So don't don't play that. Don't let them give you that card of the blame game. You did your part. That let that be your focus. Let that let run with that instead of letting them always make you feel bad or make you feel you know trigger that low self esteem or whatever that problem might be because. I loved what you said. Do what do do you, you know, do what you're yep. supposed to do. Focus on you, and and the rest will fall into place. So you can't. Wouldn't it be nice if we could change everyone else? <laughs> wouldn't it be nice if we could, you know, change that situation? But truth be told, it, it may not. But you got to do your part, and so I, that's so very good. Again, brother Snyder, we've ran out of time. I, I thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I'm hoping we can, you know, do a part two. And I, I thank you for watching. I, I've said it the, the last few episodes. This is an episode that you're going to want to go back and watch again. So whether you're watching it as we've launched it or you're, you're watching it in the future, I want you to go back and watch this again because it's something so valuable 
that can truly help you and make you successful in life and even in ministry. So if you're watching today, thank you for watching again, Brother Snyder. Thank you for your time. And I pray you all have a great day in Jesus' name.